Welcome to Green City, a podcast focused on sustainability. I'm your host, Lene Marty Henson. We invite you to listen in on our conversations for positive change. It is my hope that we can all come away with something that resonates within our own lives and inspires us to action within our own communities. Let's start where we are and find ways to work together to create more connected, more vibrant, and indeed more sustainable communities. Join us each week as we learn from each other. This morning, we are finishing up our series on food and farms with today's guest, Carmen Black. Carmen owns and operates Sundog Farm and Local Harvest CSA with her sister Maya and a farm team. They raise vegetables for 200 families and have livestock in Solon, Iowa. And we're thrilled to have you join us this morning, Carmen. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So we always like to start with you giving a little bit more about your story in your own words. So tell us a bit more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so my name is Carmen um, and I uh, grew up outside of Solon, where I now farm um, in Eastern Iowa. And um, I grew up in sort of a farming community, but my parents didn't farm. And so I was pretty eager to leave my small town when I was in high school. And having grown up around a lot of farms, I didn't think that farming was something that like I was interested in. Um, but, uh, when I went to college, I lived on a student farm for a while and realized I did in fact love farming. I eventually moved to Kentucky and, um, I, uh, was coming home in the summers to spend time with my mom. And so I got a job working for my neighbor, Susan, who'd been my 4-H leader, who had a farm a mile away from, from my house. Um, and so I, I'm the same age as Susan's kids. Um, so I grew up spending a lot of time on this farm and, uh, in the early nineties, she was, Susan was actually one of the first farmers to bring the idea of community supported agriculture to Iowa. And so she's one of the, and community supported agriculture is often called CSA. Um, and so, uh, it's the idea that um, a customer becomes a member of the farm and sh- gets to share in the risks and rewards of farming. Um, so members sign up at the beginning of the season and then receive a weekly share of what's in season. So um, Susan was one of the first farmers to do this in Iowa. And I, so that's, I got a job working for her on the CSA. Um, and from, from the beginning, uh, Susan saw the CSA model as an opportunity to support other local farms and businesses, um, as well as to actually increase the accessibility of local food in in the community. And so her interest in this model was always sort of both of those things besides growing vegetables, of course. Um, And so this was the farm that that I was a part of. So um, after after a couple of summers working for Susan, um, she and I were picking melons one evening. It's like a very good melon year. (laughs) And she, um, she let me know that she was planning to retire within a couple of years, which I hadn't, didn't know up to that point. 
And she said to me, I know you want to farm, but you aren't ready to start yet. So I'm not asking you any questions. I just thought you should know. Mm. And this, this sent me into a total spiral um, <laughs> because I really did want to farm someday, but I hadn't considered like moving permanently back to my hometown or starting out on my own right away. Um, and so I spent a lot of time reflecting, like I knew how challenging it was going to be to start farming. Mm. And I pretty quickly realized that this was likely my best opportunity to make it happen. Um, and, and on top of that, um, one of the many reasons that I wanted to farm in the first place was um, the experiences that I had had seeing how food and growing food connected people and built community. Um, and already having been part of the community Susan had built around her farm, I, I wanted that to be able to continue. And that's like exactly why I wanted to farm. So, yeah. so I said, I wanted to do it. <laughs> and um, that started us on a journey that took a couple of years of our, of our farm transition. Um, and from the beginning of this farm transition, we really wanted to do a good job because we both really wanted the CSA to continue and for the land to be, to continue to be cared for and farmed um, in, in the way that it had been. And uh, there weren't really any examples of a beginning farmer purchasing an existing farm and business and then continuing to run that business, um, which would also, you know, allow her to retire. So there just weren't a lot of examples of mm. what we were trying to do. Yeah. Um, and I, um, I knew how challenging it, it, it was for me, um, to start farming. And I, I even had, you know, a lot of support from my family financially, emotionally, physically helping me with things. Yeah. Um, but uh actually like the process of of the farm transition and buying the farm really opened my eyes to the huge challenge that Iowa faces for the next generation to access land. Cause even with that it it felt really difficult. Yeah, um, I'm sure. So I'm sure. yeah. So Susan and I lived together for over a year as we worked through all of these like legal and financial uh, parts of, of our farm transition um, and to sort of help me get on my feet. Because although I had worked for her, that's very different than sort of making all of the decisions, I guess. Um, right. And so, yeah. So 2016 was my first season on my own. Um, but Susan has continued to sort of mentor and support me ever since she uh, moved to Nebraska to be closer to her kids, but we, we talk often and I'm, and I'm so grateful for, for all that she put in. Yeah. yeah. Well, and how wonderful that you had that ability to, to have a mentor right by your side as you were doing this, because I, there's so much more to farming than going out and working in the fields. The whole business side of it, I'm sure is, is, tricky and complicated. And like you say, big decisions that you're making with the best information you have at the time, which I think that's one of the trickiest parts of farming. You can't always predict, but how wonderful that you have this great relationship with the mentor and the previous owner of the farm. I love that story. 
Um, one thing I was impressed with too, is that you, and I think Susan started out with this and you've carried it on and maybe evolved it, but you literally have guiding principles that you follow as you are this practical and passionate farmer that, that you work with every day. Right. So share some of those guiding principles that you go by. Yeah. Well, I think, I think I mentioned, um, that uh, from from the beginning of of her starting the CSA, she saw the ways in which the model could uh, support other farms and businesses, as well as uh, create um, uh, more accessibility of local food, which you know is is also a challenge. And so I think those those two things um, continue to be true, and I think are are uh, large base, uh, <laughs> um, to work off of. Um, and I think that, uh, I, I think we have like many, many other sort of like guiding principles on the farm besides that, but I feel like those two things are sort of like fundamental to the operation. Right. Um, and I think that sort of connects to, um, sort of our, farm transition story as well, um, because it, she was very passionate about um, the farm being able to continue because like we both, I guess, have seen and experienced um, how there is like a lack of, of other opportunities for beginning farmers in a lot of ways. And, and I think that's sort of fundamental to the CSA as well Is like over the years, she's worked with a lot of other farmers to sort of create more access to um, customers and sort of create a, a more of a market for local food for, uh, for other farmers and really believe that like by working together, we can be more successful. Right. Um, and so I think that sort of like really ties into sort of like why we were so committed to um, our farm transition. Um, and since then, um, a couple of the folks who have worked with me on the farm have started their own farms. So I've also sort of seen through uh, supporting them through their experiences um, and, and being <laughs> sort of along for the ride, just how like sort of challenging this is. Um, and I think that um that is one of sort of the biggest challenges i think that we're we're facing right now um in in iowa between 2013 and 2017 we lost like more than 1500 farms hmm. um and it doesn't feel like there's necessarily a lot of time to change this um in the last census the average age of the farmer of farmers in iowa was 58 and 35% of landowners were over the age of 75. Hmm. And so that just means that there's like this farm transition is like really going to accelerate and continue. Um, and meanwhile, in the United States, only 8% of farmers are under the age of 35. Really? And so, yeah. So, so I think that, um, uh, for me, uh, one of the you know continued guiding principles is collaboration and trying to uh, continue to support other farmers to to gain land access and and work together because um, because I think that we need more farmers. Yeah, yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's really interesting what you're explaining. So to back up, tell how many acres is it that you're farming and give us a description of how you do your operation because I'm guessing you don't use the massive equipment that maybe some of us think of when we think of farms in Iowa. I don't think you're out there with the I don't know how wide those things are anymore, but tell us a little bit about how you farm and how big your farm is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a complicated question because I am um, buying uh, my farm from Susan um, and then also uh, rent land from her and from some other neighbors as well. And so um, it's, uh, which I think is like also, uh, like I mentioned, like a very common for beginning farmers to have sort of complicated land access puzzles. Um, but we have, um, probably around a little less than 10 acres in vegetable production. Um, and so I think that is the ground that we farm most intensively. And, you know, that's 10 acres. is not a huge amount of land, I guess. Um, and then we have, um, other land that we use for, uh, rotationally grazing our livestock. Gotcha. Um, so I can talk a little bit more about that too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, most of, uh, I think all but one of our tractors are older than I am. Um, <laughs> we use a lot of older equipment, which, um, is, uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, smaller than some of the, the, uh, equipment that you might see when you're, you know, driving on interstate 80 or whatever. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, but very effective. And, um, we also, uh, have a couple of high tunnels, which are like hoop house structures with plastic stretched over them that we can use for season extension. So, um, our CSA uh, we actually have uh, three seasons, spring, summer, and fall. So we're delivering vegetables from uh, the beginning of May until Thanksgiving. And then we've also been working on um, expanding into a winter season as well, which we've done for the past few years, but that's looked a little different every year as we sort of uh, figure out how to make that work and uh, sort of uh, expand our infrastructure to be able to uh, continue to offer that because, uh, sort of extending your season into the winter requires more, um, infrastructure and labor. So that's right. a puzzle as well. And for livestock, you have sheep, you also have chickens, you have eggs now too. Is that right? Yes. Yes. We have, um, been grazing sheep and goats since the beginning. Um, and then in last year in 2022, we, um, also added uh, an egg enterprise um, as well. Um, and yeah, and and something I wanted to mention, I guess, in terms of like how it all fits together uh, is that uh, it really, the farm and all of the diversity on the farm works because of this incredible team um, that, that I get to work with. And um, I'm not able to do all of this on my own, I guess. Um, and so the farm crew has shifted and grown every year since, since I got started. Um, but several, several of my team have been with me from the beginning and I just feel so grateful, um, for the folks that I've, uh, gotten to work with. Um, so, um, 
my sister had actually been working for Susan with me before I bought the farm. Um, and she was still in college. And so, uh, when she was home for spring break, the year that we were doing the farm transition, I made her sign a post-it note saying that she would work with me my my first summer because I like really loved working with her and was, you know, knew that I needed her that, that first year. And she has, um, you know, done some other things, uh, continued to live and work on the farm and sort of like explored what she wants to do and has, uh, you know, decided to stay and farm with me, which is just incredible. Um, and so, uh, she is particularly sort of, uh, interested in a lot of the livestock stuff. So we've been able to expand, uh, and sort of adjust the ways in which we do some of the grazing as a result of her interest and research. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then uh, another person who's been with me from the beginning um, is Carlos. Uh, he had also been working with me since before I um, started out on my own and he wanted to continue. Um, he actually ended up moving to the farm in 2020 And then last year in 2022, he started his own business, uh, uh, selling, uh, chickens. So he, uh, is, uh, he continues to work, um, for local harvest CSA and on the farm, um, but also, uh, rents, uh, land and equipment from me to graze his, uh, pastured, broilers so and then uh we're able to market those broilers uh in part through the csa and some other other ways as well and so that's one way uh in which the farm has sort of become more complex as well yeah. uh, and has been awesome for him to sort of have his own own enterprise as well um yeah. and then our fourth uh full-time uh farm team member um is helena and helena went to high school with maya my sister and um she has sort of lived and worked on the farm on and off as she um finished uh school and she went uh to iowa and got her master's in public health and so um she has uh i would say particular interest and expertise in some of the the food access, uh, things that were real are really important to us collectively, um, and has, uh, been responsible for helping us get, uh, started accepting SNAP benefits, um, for vegetables and meat and eggs, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's great. Sort of expanding, uh, the technical sides of, of the food access story on the farm. Yeah. So it's easy to tell just in this short interview and your great telling of your story, how, as you, to use your word, complex farming is even in a smaller operation, it's ever changing. And, and that, that has to be a challenge. Is, is that, is that one of the biggest challenges you face is that you're always kind of adapting and, and it flows in different directions as you go along, or what would you say is your biggest challenge? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that, um, uh, that the, I love the complexity of farming. I think that it's uh, sort of like constantly a puzzle to figure out how it all fits together. And I, I like I said, um, our farm is only possible because of, of teamwork. And um, not only do we have the farm team on the farm, but we have some incredible um, other farmers uh, in the area that we're able to like work with and learn from and collaborate. And so it really, really feel like it is a, a team effort. Um, and that's like how it works, I guess. Um, I would say um, that, you know, there are, there are a lot of challenges. Um, one, one challenge that I think that we um, will continue to face is sort of like increasingly erratic weather. Um, I think, you know, we uh, were hit by the derecho <laughs> in yeah. 2020 and it was okay. But then we had a second sort of, it was like a, mini derecho or something the following winter and that flipped one of our uh, our goat shed actually so we just finished building a new shed um and i feel actually really lucky a lot of farmers lost a lot more than we did in both of those storms wow. um but i think that that has those like back-to-back wind storms have really like uh made us think about uh sort of like long-term infrastructure and uh how to be resilient in the face of of some of these really big challenges right so what is it and we'll just kind of wrap this into your final words of wisdom but you know what is it you love about what you do and and any final tip that you want to share with our listeners today um yeah, I think that um, th- it's difficult to say like one thing that I love about farming because I think that what I love about it is uh, sort of how holistic it is, right? Like how all of the pieces fit together and uh, getting to work with an awesome team outside every day. It's never uh, um, never the same. There's always something something new to learn and uh, sometimes these things are sort of tragic and hard, but it always feels like there is more to to learn and explore. And uh, my neighbor is always saying when when these things happen, he always says, "Well, welcome to agriculture." <laughs> and I, I I feel that that sentiment nearly nearly every day, and I I think that's that's something um, that I that I really love about it. Um, and I would say in terms of uh, folks who are interested in uh, learning more about farming or supporting um, supporting farmers in general, that I think that um, the that uh, buying products directly from farmers and getting to know farmers is um, sort of one of the most important things you can do. I think that a lot of times when people see like a big system, that they want to change, it can feel easy to want to like opt out of it and, you know, try to not participate. But I think these things are so huge and all around us that um, it can actually be more effective to opt in to what you want to see more of. Mm -hmm. And so um, I I would say that uh, getting to know farmers, buying food directly from them um, and, 
you know, finding other ways to sort of get involved. Cause like I've, I've said, it really is a community effort. And so I think the more that we can like collaborate and find ways to work together, uh, the sort of bigger it will get. Yeah. That's great. Carmen, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today and for all that you do every day. Your passion shines through even on just audio. We can tell how much you you are really into this. Um, so thank you. Thank you. And to our listeners, remember to check out the podcast and blog of this show on yourgreenportal.com or Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you listen. And keep tuning in as we continue our discussions. Until then, stay curious, stay engaged, and thanks for listening. That's all for this edition of Green City. I'm Lene Marty Henson, and I hope you continue to listen in on these conversations focused on the broad realm of sustainability. I truly believe that we go further faster when we come together to have real dialogue, inspiring us toward practical solutions. Let's continue to learn from each other how best to nurture this precious planet we call home. Thanks for listening. We are truly grateful.